What's up everyone? Welcome to the exciting conclusion of Mir. This is Retro Encounter. I am Josh Curry. With me is Peter Treisenberg. Hello. Chris Gabauer. Hey everyone. And Alana Higgs. Hello. So we have done it. We have gone through hell and back to save our daughter. We're at the end of Nier. <laughs> what did everybody think? <laughs> what did everybody think? Uh, I mean, I like the game. I like the game. It has a ton of flaws, but I really like the game. I like the story. I guess that that's that that's kind of what I mean. I do like the story. I do like the world. I like a lot of its elements, but it is it is not the easiest game to play. It definitely has its pitfalls, but I think I'll agree and say that I do really like it, and I like the story in the world, the music. Yes. I love the music; it's incredible. Um, and I like the characters, but there are a lot of gameplay elements that don't work and yeah. don't quite fit in. Like and I think, go on. Like the text adventures. I, no, I, not. I still think you're wrong about the text adventures. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fun part. The, the text adventures were good. I mean, um, more so like some of the side quests and some of the combat, mm -hmm. but. I think overall it redeems itself in certain places. What, what places do you think it redeems itself? I'm just interested. Well, like I said, the story, I think what really surprises me is that I'm quite difficult to please with endings. So the fact that I like all four endings is good. I think the story is something we mentioned last time was how the story is never overwhelming. And then even at the end, even though the big twist comes about half an hour for, before the end, or an hour, it doesn't overwhelm you with anything. So everything is easy to take in, and it all makes sense as well. But it never also outright tells you. So mm -hmm. you kind of have to figure out some things. Like, I don't think it outright tells you about... You have to work out the parallel between Gestalt and Net Replicant near slash Shadow Lord plus your near. Uh, kind, um, kind of. When they, they have the big reveal with Popolo and uh, Devola, they, uh, during that conversation, they give you the four documents. That's right. Those yeah. documents, like, flat out, they make it very plainfully easy to understand, like, this is what's going on if you couldn't piece it together. Um, yeah. It's nice yeah. that they don't vocalize it, though. It's nice that they give it to you in writing, I suppose. Like, it's <sighs> See, I'm, I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, kind of, it's interesting that they it's interesting because we mentioned last podcast they think that um they that some of the menu screens would occasionally pop in with those like real instead of the diary entries they would have the much more clinical like descriptions which we now know is coming from the Gestalt replicant project mm -hmm. and um and so it's interesting kind of how they've been foreshadowing it and then if you do new game plus and you replay it with the knowledge you've gained from ending a it changes a few things around and kind of lets you see. I think it lets you see in greater detail, like how this is all tied together. And I think it's quite interesting. So, since you brought up New Game Plus, Peter, why don't you just explain exactly what happens when you start New okay. Game Plus? So, all right. So, when you start New Game Plus, you'll start at the midpoint of the game. You don't have to replay the first chunk of it, but um, you'll and the really the major difference is that you'll be able to understand uh, the dialogue of the shades. Now that you know that they're actually people, and um, uh, some of the bosses will have additional cutscenes and lines of dialogue to 
So they kind of tell their own little mini stories. And a lot of it is pretty much just to make you feel awful for killing them. Um, all, all, almost all of them have just something. They're just kind of like minding their own business when all of a sudden this old, this angry old man and a talking book come in and decide that they're going to murder them because they need a boss fight there. And it, 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 it's interesting whether or not it, whether or not it, it is effective to you is, I mean, within your own personal purview, but <laughs> Josh. Well, no, so <laughs> but, actually I would, so I would argue previously just arguing that I wish it would have been in the story and very obvious um, instead of putting it in text form, I would argue that they, the ending of near, they very effectively show the progression of shades and allude to a lot and I feel like it already has kind of that emotional experience. You you look just in general, and it, it's kind of, it works out because it's it ties in with gameplay. If we started with the really simple shades at the beginning, and they stayed, shimps, uh, stayed simple the entire time, it'd be very boring. But as they progress, it looks like these shades are taking out a level of intelligence. They're becoming more, they're having weapons, they're getting bigger, they're gaining armor. You move on to where the area, which we'll come back to all of the area, but like they're actually coexisting with humans. There's a side quest right before you go to the ending, and you're asked by this like little girl, like there's a little girl inside your town that says like they, she, that she saw, she, ooh, she saw a shade. That is a really bad tongue twister. And you will like keep wandering around trying to find it, and you find out that she's kind of like trying to protect this shade. And when you eventually find the shade, it's literally just hanging out. And it's like, all right, well, for this side quest, I'm going to murder this shade that's not doing anything wrong. Um, so I think it already does a very good job of portraying all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say to, to add in yeah. the, the 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 conversation pieces from that, I think, is almost unnecessary. I mean, it's interesting because it gives another side of the story, but... Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and I think you. Well, I think a big, a big running theme in the game, especially in regard to the twist about the shade, is uh, Nier's like single-mindedness in his quest to save, um, to save Yona is ultimately really destructive. Because not 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 just because even when he finds out the truth about the shades, he's still pretty callous about like killing them. Like you encounter the Shadow Lord, which uh, is you. Which, which is yeah. which is 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 you don't him. have to say it's spoiler. His. This is already a spoiler podcast. <laughs> well, I wanted to make sure I wanted to make sure we weren't saving that for later. But um, but but yeah. So the Shadow Lord, the villain of the game, is you, the guy you were playing as in the tutorial, and that and that and that whole thing. He's still like in the name of his mission, even when when confronted with the fact that there's another Nier and another Yona, and they just want to be together too. He just he goes to kill the Shadow Lord. He and even says like, "Am I supposed to sympathize with you?" And and it's it's true. He's not the kind of person who would be. And it's kind of the game kind of presents these stories and leaves it for the player to decide. I think it's and it's trying to invoke that kind of reaction in you that kind of distances you from from near himself. So I, I guess this maybe me being a calloused old man. I have no problem with any of the actions of near. Even when I find like, out that I'm going to murder myself, because that is like not... you actually have a, a child that you would wish to protect. Yeah, it's one, of, it's one of those things. It's like I'm really sorry. Like this is terrible. I know what I'm doing to you, but you've already put me through hell. Like, which, I, which actually, I wanted to, I wanted to ask too, Josh. Like, what does this change your perception of the beginning of the game a little bit? 
Because I know you were kind of down on the beginning of the game. You've been so excited to ask that question. Um, I have been. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and I, I maybe I didn't fully express this effectively during the last podcast. Story-wise, it was obvious it was going to tie into the story somehow. Um, I, I think it's very interesting that you've played as yourself, um, your different self. I, I, I think story-wise, it is very, very interesting. I fundamentally, at the end of the day, though, still have an issue with any game that starts you off and make you experience everything the game has to offer and then rips it away from you. Not fair enough. And so it, it's one of those things, it makes the next hour or two of the game really boring. When you, you have this, and it, I think it actually starts really interesting. You have no idea what's going on. It jumps you right into the action. You have all these really cool abilities. And it, it, it starts at a really good pace. And then to move on right from that, and it just dies. And you're like, well, I don't have this. I don't have that. Like, I'm plodding along. And this is, town's really like boring really, at the beginning. It's and, really made worse by all the tutorials that you are pulling out of creatures. Yeah. And then... It's stopping yeah, that's a, gameplay, so that's that's, that's I think also Jordan. makes it uh, a little bit more amplified in terms of how annoying it is. So I I overall really I I enjoy the tutorial for what it is. I just don't like that conceptually. Also, though, I feel like being able to play through that tutorial definitely shows the developer's hands on what the story is going to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, because I knew that the Shadow... Like, as soon as the Shadow Lord was mentioned, I was like, all right, well, that's us. And that's probably him from earlier. Mm-hmm. And there's two books, so there's obviously two books. And, like, you told me that there's two books, which I didn't notice when we were playing through. I was like, mm-hmm. well, this is obviously... They did something here. There was some sort of agreement. This Shadow Lord is you. And immediately I thought of Infamous. I was like, oh, there's some sort of time travel thing. Like, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to come back into the past and, like... I'm gonna fight myself, but I'm cra- like I'm pushing myself along to make me who I need to be to be able to combat this. And that like that tutorial makes it very very obvious that that the Shadow Lord is you. At least in my my opinion, which I, I kind of well, yeah. No, I'm with you. Once yeah. once you are told by your future self. I mean, when there's that pact where it says you know at the beginning of the tutorial where the book tells him you know I'm gonna make you stronger, you just have to surrender yourself or whatever that line is, but which pretty much is like yeah. your soul. I knew that that was that you're coming back, you know that version of yourself. Mm-hmm. I I didn't think it was going to be soul versus shell as a conceit. I thought it was going to be more almost reincarnation theory, future selves versus past yeah. selves. Yeah. And that's uh, the, the shell thing is what ultimately caught me off guard as well. Exactly. Um, that that was the that was the as you put it earlier, Peter. Like that's the big twist, and I knew one mm-hmm. was coming. We all we all I think do yeah. play that game, but the question really came down to what was it going to be, and uh, mm-hmm. that turn specifically was out of left field for me, and I really dug it. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, but then I also kind of feel stupid because everybody's probably watched Blade Runner at some point in their life, and when you look at the Japanese <laughs> title and it says replicant, I was like, oh yeah, well. There you go. There yeah, but, you but, go. but isn't that, <laughs> oh, isn't that yeah. crazy that that's a word that they invented because uh, for the movie because they couldn't use Android, and yet no one uses Replicant outside of Blade Runner, really? Yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those things when you look at the word Gestalt, it's like, oh, right. But if that had been yeah, in the, the American title, I would have immediately gotten that. Yeah, they, like, oh, they, they released the two oh. versions, yeah. Yeah, and so it kind of plays off of that, because I, I didn't... 
I didn't even think about it, and I didn't even think about the Japanese title even being different until the point where that they mentioned as soon as they mentioned replicants in the the games, like oh well, okay, yep, that I feel like an idiot. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. What I, do we think? Go ahead, Peter. Go, ahead, go Christopher. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my proper name. Yeah. Uh, so, what do we think about our cast of characters? Fantastic. Emil, Kaine, uh, Vice. What they go through. King of Facade. Yeah. <laughs> the Aww, King of Facade. And his awesome mask. So yeah, I he gets a rough end of the deal. All of them get a rough end of the deal. Um, yeah, yeah, they're all varying degrees of unhinged, which is not uncommon for this developer. But even so. No one's actually happy, really. But I think that's wonderful. Except for debatable Yona. And I, I agree. I think it's actually very refreshing. <laughs> See, and that's, again, this is, all my terribleness comes out on this podcast. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> like, I, 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 so I finished this right before we did this recording. And, like, before I, I got, I came on this call, I, I jumped on and I was like, well, what is, what is everybody's reactions? Everybody's like, oh, like, great game, this or that. Like, oh, this is such a class. Can't wait for a sequel. And then everybody's like, but that ending, though, it's like, it's so sad. Like, I, I just don't like playing the game because the ending is so terrible. And I was like, and he's realistic. Like, I, I love it for that. Like, you can't you can't go around murdering whatever they are, even if they're just animals, like murdering all sorts of things, going through all like hell and back, literally hell and back. And not be changed by that. And I, I think they do a very good job of everybody's in a constant state of sacrifice. And that's yeah. really I mean, what you have we to were go joking. through. We were joking before about the Devil of Popola fight at the end. Uh, and just being like, couldn't we just calm down and figure this out? Yeah. But, you know, there's that moment, and there's that actual moment in that fight, and her response is basically like, you want me to stop, but you just murdered this person My in sister. front of me. Yeah. Exactly. So mm-hmm. why would I, why would I stop to you, player character, even though, you know, you, you know, us playing the game, we're like, yeah, let's stop. <laughs> you don't have to do this, but she's like, you just, you just kill it. Exactly, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had a great uh, line earlier in the game about revenge, because it was about the crazy little boy that had his brother die in the junk heap. Jacob mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and that happens again and again, and every time your character's like, yeah, when we know what revenge is going to get us, yep. and it's this... And you're just like, whoa, 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 what about you? What are you doing this whole time? I told, I told you that plot was going to get worse and worse. Like, and that it, even on a new game plot, it even gets like, because now you know what the shade is thinking the whole time. But um, like the fact that like his like his brother got like crushed halfway, and he tried to pull him out, and then all you hear is Pulled just off his arm. and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. One wonder- thing that I read in the in the in the Grimoire Noir, oh Grimoire Near, that I thought was kind of cool is they go into more detail about the psycho uh, psychological effects of the younger brother ripping off his brother's arm, and that's why he has a mechanical arm when you meet him in the second half is because as like a weird uh, self mutilation penance. He always like basically starts cutting himself, and eventually it gets so bad that he replaces his arm with a machine arm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I looked at it, I was like, why does he have a mechanical arm? Like, what has he been up yeah. to? Stuff that there's no explanation for, except in the visual. And then when I was flipping, when I was skimming through and reading stuff, I was like, oh, okay, that's taking really that extra. Yeah. There you go. God. Yeah, this game's dark. Yeah, it's I mean, super dark. Very. It, 
Wanna... There's actually nothing happy. Anytime there's about to be something happy, they immediately cut it short with something brutal. No, the like ending's the King of so... Facade. The ending's and so his... happy. It's the exact opposite of that. <laughs> it's not it's the like the image of happiness you with the understatement that humanity is going to well that all yeah basically uh, uh, remnants of mankind are going to be extinct within a generation. But it doesn't it doesn't tell you that, but that's that's what's inferred. The replicants will be okay. No, they won't. They can't <laughs> oh. reproduce. Josh. <laughs> no, I, I because don't they'll know. look at the bro- they'll look at the black black scroll and die. No wait. I, I mean, I could. I don't know. The black scroll part, I still don't vaguely understand. I'm not gonna. I don't lie. think they ever. I don't think they ever directly explain what the deal with the black scroll is. Especially in comparison to whatever the the phosph the the white. Whatever the heck is hell disease. Chlorination. Yeah, thank you. The chlorination from the the arrival of the dragon and the giant. The only reason I remember that is because I think of chlorine. I think of whitewashing something. So they're yeah. whitewashing society from yeah. the world. Look at you making connections. Yeah. You're a smart boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so the black scroll, because the, the, at first I had thought it had to do with original near and because they're so close and there's because at the end they keep talking about like how he being around things makes the the shade so much more feral and have so much more issues and be more stable mm-hmm. and so i was like well maybe that's why um yuna yona yona oh yeah and it's so, like because of their closeness he's making her more unstable that's why she has the black scroll but then the the king of facade makes that like that ruins that whole theory yeah so i, I don't know so- I just, that's the best I got. So we were, just just to cut in a sec. We were, we were actually right about the black scrawl. It's it has to do with um your someone's gestalt like relapsing, which is what causes the replicant's body to start like shutting down, basically. So yeah, inevitably every single replicant is going to come down with the black scrawl. No, they're die. not. <laughs> because as near you're going through in mass genociding all of the shades. If there's no shades left, they can't relapse. And then nobody will get yeah, black scroll, and then yeah, society but... will last forever because they're androids. Not how it works, I don't think. But not <laughs> androids because not they androids. can't retrieve data because they can't retrieve like data or whatever from their original self. That's what causes the disease. Okay. That's actually one thing that's weird, Josh. Is that uh, all the people we meet in the game are not androids. The androids are Devila and Popola. They make a distinction between android and replicant. One is a shell that's not explained but isn't machine somehow and the it's more like a homunculus almost yeah it's like they split it's like they split one person into two biological entities yeah whereas uh like they take the genetic material from a shade and basically create uh a shell for them to inhabit eventually okay the diseases of the world are apparently finally purged Oh, and then a... the androids are Devil and Popola and other pairs of twins in other parts of the world, which exist to make sure that eventually Gestalt and Replicants will refuse. And that's their purpose. That's a fair correction. But that also brings up something that really, really bothered me. As uh, oh, yeah? Devilos dying and Popola's like, I can't stop the bleeding. I was like, you're an android. I know, that was... Yeah. And there was actually no blood visually, <laughs> there's very nothing. clearly, when everything else bleeds. <laughs> Every, yeah. like, there's, like, at points, like... like, like a three. <laughs> yeah. There's at it's points like, when they do that stupid Diablo perspective, when you're going through the area underneath 
the uh, Emil's house. Right. Yeah. And they oh, cut away God. back to the one of the rooms when you leave it, and I had blood on top of the ceiling of the room I had just left. Yeah. There's blood everywhere in this game. Yeah. Weird. Sorry, sorry from software. Uh, Caviar beat you to it. Yeah, so right. that's actually a good thing. Is like I, I actually think Caviar beat a lot of principle, ignoring the the difficulty of the game. Like I think Nier overall is a very easy game. Um, yeah, it, it's not that hard. But with how they parse out story that you have to search out for, like search for it, and like I don't know, I saw a couple parallels of how From Software kind of sets up their video games conceptually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of environmental storytelling. Yes, the idea of items and the objects you interact with themselves can tell you more about the world than what you're doing. Right, which is mm -hmm. awesome and great. Because it's the kind of thing where, if, especially if it's not necessary for you to enjoy the game, you can dive into it at your own pace. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, makes, I, yeah. It makes you wonder if they're going to do that in um, Autonoma when that comes out. Because I know we, we talked, I think we talked about this last yeah, time. Like, with Platinum Games making it, we're probably going to get more of a straight action game. But it would be nice to see if they could work in some of the, the environmental sort of storytelling stuff into it yeah. as well. So I wanted to cover this at the end of the podcast, but let's just do it now. This is kind of a natural point. Yeah. What is everybody's thought about the sequel? Like, I'm excited. I'm excited because it's going to play. Hope. Uh, I mean, as long as Platinum actually is able to put any attention into this game, it's real and Platinum, they're not, not super spread thin. Platinum. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is going to be done by the time this all starts, so I think we'll be okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, what do you think? I think I agree with... I think Platinum need to pay attention to the story. I think it's quite possible they can do some environmental storytelling because whether they're gonna, whether it's going to be in the same world as Nier or not is another question. I think the developers confirmed that Emil is going to appear in some way, shape, or form. And possibly Kaine as well. But... Yeah, but the, the, that could mean a lot of things, though, because they had them as DLC costumes in Dragon Guard 3. So, like, I don't know if that means they're actually going to be in the story or if they're just going to be, like, appearances. Yeah, hopefully they'll be in it in some manner. But um, I think, yeah, as long as the only thing they need to do really is fine tune the combat and the gameplay. And I think that the rest of what Nier is will fit in naturally. So I well, and I do think it's. He mentioned it's based off of. I think it's based off of this play that Yokotaro did like a while ago. It's like a lot of the characters are the same as from this stage play he did, and and he mentions that the characters in Autonoma are going to be androids, and there's some kind of like devastated Earth future like thing going on. So I feel like this might actually be taking place before near. Yes, that would be really interesting. I was just reading, actually, somebody said that, that it would be really interesting if somebody covered the ground between Drakengard and the beginning of Nier, and I think that would be really interesting. So if that did that, then I would be very, very happy with that. I think it would, think it would be easier not to F everything up. You've got a 1300-year <laughs> time skip to cover. Like, exactly. You could, there's a lot, a lot of ground there. Yeah. So, I'm going to go the exact opposite. I have zero desire to play the sequel. So, for Aww. people who listen to uh, Deus Ex Podcast, there was 
there was so much there at Deus Ex that I wanted just to be better, that I felt like anybody could come in and fix. Like, there's a lot of just simple things you can do that makes the game better. It's not really contingent on one necessary thing to be done, but it just overall, just, things could have had more polish. With Nier, I feel like the story is fantastic. I don't, I don't think... There's very few ways, except for getting rid of the text adventure, that this story-wise, the game could have been better. Um, Gameplay-wise, like, hey, yes, a hundred different ways that it could have been better. And everybody looks and is like, oh, Platinum, Platinum Bayonetta, like, it's going to be great, like, it's going to be fantastic. And I view it as we are going to get a game that has really good combat, but nothing that made Nier special. Completely agree, but... That, that's what also intrigues me about the idea of it being a prequel, is you can get away with, especially with, uh, again, this is just things I picked up from Gr- Grimoire Near, which, uh, for everyone listening, is an online thing that Alana found for us, where people basically translated, what is it, a, uh, a book that was written in for Japan market in Japan on, in Japanese only? Is that right? Is that what it is? Guys, help me out there. Yeah, I think so. That's what it is. Okay, cool. But there's a huge war that starts from uh, when humanity still exists before they go through the whole Gestalt program of the Legion, which is basically just the shade, or the, not the it's before the shades, so it's the white phosphorus disease. All those afflicted are being led by one creature called the Red Eye, and it's basically just this ongoing civil war of humankind against the afflicted and those that are still, I guess you could say, even sane. And then that continues on even after the Gestalt program. It kind of restarts. So you could do, basically, the replica, uh, the androids as saviors of humankind as a prequel, as Alana was kind of alluding to, the idea of yeah. an andro- androids having to hold off the tides of you know oblivion kind of thing. Yeah, and I okay. think that, that that would be simple enough that you could have a great action game and story would be there. Yes, Josh, I think it would be so much lighter. It would be far less interesting. Uh, so much of the mystique of this game is that there are things that really are almost close to being bad, but somehow it works in the context of everything else. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I, like, again, I, it's weird because you could make a, a flawless action game and it wouldn't be as interesting to play. Because a lot of the issues I have with Nier are also what are endearing about it. Because the second it's about to get too annoying or too frustrating or, oh my god, this really is bad, you're on to the next uh, thing. I don't want to say gimmick because I don't think it's – I I do think it was thought out. But it never overstays its welcome with each bit of strangeness. Mm -hmm. And – I, it's very hard to make a game where you're jumping around like that. I think, especially in an era of this was one of those games that died because it was a double A game in a triple A world in a lot of ways. Uh, but with triple A marketing and budgeting, there's just no way you could pitch a game like this and be like, "So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make one area. It's gonna be a text adventure, and it's gonna be totally different <laughs> than everything else that happened so far. Which... It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great, and everyone's gonna be like, "Whoa, it's different." Yeah. They'd be like, "You get to go back to your desk and never pitch a game again." Maybe somebody <laughs> should have done that for the text adventure. It's, 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 it's a good thing. 
It's a good thing Yakutawa got to start earlier. Exactly. I, I do want to. I want to say I'm excited for Autonoma, but I I do want to say so. Cavia shut down after making year. They like this wasn't a, it wasn't a big hit. They they weren't they just they don't exist anymore. Um, but Dragon Guard three was co-developed with a lot of the same people with Access Games, so the guys who did Deadly Premonition, and. Dragon Guard, Dragon Guard 3 is worse than Nier in a lot of ways. Like, as in, like, it looks worse, it runs worse, it's, it didn't have, it had even less of a budget. But, it still, it had a different developer and it still maintained that same level of complete craziness. And, I'm hoping, this is, and I, we don't know, that there could very well be the case, our, our worst case scenario I think we're looking at is that it's gonna be a polished action game that doesn't have any of the charm or mystique or, of Nier. But a best case scenario would be that it is, it does retain everything that made Nier and the Dragon Guard games so enjoyable, but it just has a solid, a more solid, like, gameplay foundation. Worst case and scenario, we get Korra. Oh, God, don't say that. That's heartbreak. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is, that's a worst case scenario. Yeah. I, <laughs> I couldn't let that go. <laughs> that's fine. I, I honestly think it's going to be a $30 game like Korra, but it's not going to be. I don't mean, you know, I, I think they're going to they're going to be putting in a little bit more effort to it because it's I don't know, because I, I, there's enough of the original team. Like Peter said, there's a few people, you know, key members involved from the original near with the game. You'd like to think that they're going to hopefully. Yeah, think, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I think it's only going to be a six hour game. It's not going to be a 20 hour RPG. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it when I we, we get time to play games this year because there's so much coming out. Yeah. Dark Souls Three, babe. Uh, Star Ocean Five and Zero Time Dilemma apparently come out on the same day. Oh, great! <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I gonna? I don't know what to do. Pass your time accordingly. Uh, Did anyone? Uh, one thing, especially because. I would it's similar to Josh. I, I was able to finish a lot of this game uh, very recently. How about the? Did anyone have issues with the kind of standard? Almost every game has them tropes of friendship and I'm so glad I found you kind of thing. Finding your place in the world. Did it feel tedious to you to have the characters go through the motions in a lot of those ways or? Did you feel like with this world and especially with what you learn of these characters being these replicants, so there actually is that much more to the idea of discovering humanity, do you think it works a little bit better to have those kind of cliched moments? I think I think it works because I like these characters and Fair. especially especially with Kaine, because you get again if, I guess that's another thing I forgot to mention, in New Game Plus you get Kaine's whole backstory and it's like really, really sad. But, and you get to hear the shade inside her, right? Yep, that too. And and he's he's a creep. Yeah, he's a psycho. Colossal. He's a creep. But like it is but like even then, like these characters like yeah, they kind of go through the bog standard like JRPG plot motions, but they're they're so likable in yeah, their own too. like weird, crazy way that I think it works. But that's just me. So I think with I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on a game that I love. Persona 4. They, you go through those just kind of, what you're saying, that, that tropiness, but at the end of the day, the world's so great for them. I mean, granted, they could get thrown in TVs, ignoring that. But overall, it's like, yeah, you're you're going through this melodrama that's not that important, but things aren't that serious. You look at somebody like Emil, and it's like, 
he has eyes that turns everybody to stone. He finally fixes that. The person he likes gets turned into a wall. And then he goes on a quest to solve it for her, and he gets turned into a bone man. And kills his sister in the process. I, I feel like they go through enough crap together that it, it feels justified. I'm totally with you. I was I'm, partially. I'm I'm just doing the devil's advocate. I was just curious. Uh, you know, using the Persona Four as a comparison, though. Uh, I do think that this game suffered uh, near, and by suffered, I don't mean it's flawed because of it. But uh, the localization team is not the best. And outside of Grimoire Vice, I do think that most people, or most characters, are the translation is not that fantastic. It's just serviceable, and it lets you move on, and it's good enough. But in terms of the actual dialogue between characters, the a lot of the game was just okay or, again, serviceable for me. And this is a game, as we've talked about, that I ended up really liking. But I did – I was a little disappointed with some of those moments of just like, because we're friends now. It's like you could have that exact same thought there. But instead of saying, but we're friends now, and so that makes it all okay, you could have much more interesting dialogue. Granted, yes, you have to take into account that they're doing dialogue that has to be fit into whatever – the few seconds of Japanese exists in that cutscene, so you have to, you know, hit your three-second mark. So it's a little bit harder, and you're restricted to what can be written in the translation. But I think it, one of the things that's hard too about the whole friendship thing, and minor, 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 minor spoilers for Star Wars, the new one that just came out. Um, people complained about. Is this okay? Can I do the spoiler? You go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm not gonna fight. So people really complained about Rey's relationship with Han Solo on that, and everybody's like, "Well, how does she like look?" Because everybody's like, "Oh, he looks." She looks at him as like a father figure, and I was like, "How's that possible? They've only known each other for five minutes." And I was like, "There's so much time in between that we do not see." Sure. Um, and I, I think that's that is perfect for near. Like you look at some of the side quests. Like if you tried to c catch that fish and you never caught the fish, you were gone for like three months. Yeah, I know. And Ignoring how terrible a parent he is that he stood on a beach, not going back to his, like, sickly ill daughter's bedside, and he stayed on a beach and tried to catch a fish that whole time. There's a lot of time period that I think we just miss. Yes, but I, my, my issue isn't the idea of the conceit of friendship. What I'm kind of talking about is more just one of those flaws to this game, which I think is... It, it, it's not fixed, but it's it's okay because I like everything else that's happening. I do think, and I felt it a lot more in the second half, is the writing of the characters in terms of just what they're saying. Not what they mean or the intention behind it, but the actual writing of it gets very tedious. And it's a lot of repetition. And it's a little bit of just like, okay, we get it. We're saying it again. We're saying it again. All right. Let's move on to the next thing. Although, yay, friendship. Yay, we love each other. That being yeah, we're all exiles. Let's keep moving. That being said, when uh, Vice is leaving and you say, like, you call after him, and he's like, you know what? No, oh, he's the best. To, he's told you not to call me that, one. but I think it's okay now. It's okay now. Don't get too high on yourself. That was fantastic. He's the only one that's got that kind of, uh, that has a good arc to just his his linguistics. Everyone else, it, it's so straightforward and obvious. He's the only one with subtleties in the writing. It's because he's which, a book. Uh, he's knowledgeable. 
Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Used to belong in a library. Soaked all that knowledge up. <laughs> that's, that's how books work. Yep. Just sit uh, next to each other and they get smarter. Well, in fact, that's how, that's how books write themselves. There's yep. no such thing as a print press. That or monkeys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, someone somewhere is like, what? Really? That's why my school books are so expensive. <laughs> They're written by I monkeys. Find myself a monkey. Ah, <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually want to talk a little bit about the characters. Um, I mean, specifically Emil and Kaine. Um, we yes. we talked about Vice a little bit, and I think we can all agree that Vice is like the standout star of the game, the whole game. Oh, totally. Yeah, him and Kaine. And I I love Kaine. I really, I hate what she wears. It still irritates the hell out of me. Yeah. And I didn't think this would happen. So when I I travel a lot, so whenever we do these games and like I'm traveling, I always think about like I'm sitting on an airplane, and this old lady looks over at what I'm playing. How badly am I going to be judged for what I'm playing? Um, great thing about Nier, playing at home. Didn't think I was going to get shamed. Wife walks into the room. She, she looks at me. Looks at Kaine. <laughs> shakes her head. Walks out of the room, stops like halfway out of the room, comes back, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And so, <laughs> literally, okay. my response was, "I didn't make her wear that." <laughs> that is amazing. That's um, actually fantastic. Yeah, and so I, I think, I think Emil has a great arc. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then. Yeah. I I overall really enjoyed Kaine. Um, I knew this was going to happen. I, I, I kind of assumed with what they set up at the very beginning, we talked about this last, last podcast, that there was going to be so much more to her than met the eye. And mm-hmm. that's why I kind of thought it was kind of doing her a disservice to dress her the way she was. Because she's basically just supposed to be eye candy, and it's like she's much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching kind of like there's multiple elements of just like talked about a meal about through the transition and then you talk we talked about uh Kaine we, we kind of alluded to her choosing to die to be able to be to uh save the village um and then the ultimate moment after that is you've you've watched Emil and Kaine go through so much and both of them sacrifice so much both for the village and also specifically for Nier and mm-hmm. then the, the great moment when uh Pope was like yeah they can't they can't come to the village. Like this isn't okay. Um, you know, they're freaks and they scare people. Yeah, and I I think there there's so much emotional kind of like roller coaster where you're like, all right, Kanye's kind of a jerk. She keeps leaving. She won't listen to me. All right, Kanye's cool. Kanye saves everybody. Like and then like you're all of a sudden you're, like your mission is like I have to save her. Like I know I'm supposed to go save my daughter, but like I feel indebted to her. Like I have to do to. this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, there's a lot of great character moments there. I completely agree. And to your point, there is so much, there's a lot of subtlety to Kaine uh, that I appreciated. And Peter, quick question for you, since I know you've yeah. at least played through a little bit of New Game Plus. Kaine can understand shades, right? Not just the one inside of her, but she can actually hear the language of shades. I actually don't know if they ever explain that. Um Okay. And because so in her backstory, when in her backstory, her grandmother is killed by that that one boss, that shade, giant one, thing, yeah, that thing, yeah. 
And that's when she gets, she almost gets killed, and it, it really, really graphic detail describes, like, how badly mangled she's been when she gets possessed. And, um, and then the, that shade can talk to her, and is basically just constantly tormenting her. So she basically just has this constant inner monologue going on. And I don't, but yeah, I don't think they ever, like, address whether or not she can understand the other shades. Like, or if it's just the one inside her head. So, okay, maybe this is just what I, I'd like it to be, so maybe I'm projecting just a little bit. But I, I, for some reason, thought that she can understand shades. And I thought about, I thought it, would, it was such a, uh, that's such a horrifying and kind of cool element that she's doing all this for Nier because she likes him. And mm-hmm. she sympathizes with him. And also feels indebted to him, to an extent. But she's aware that they're killing these creatures that are human. Even if she can't completely listen to them, she knows it from the shade that's inside of her. So she knows what shades are. And yet she still is going through with it. You know, this slaughtering of not just monsters, but again of deranged humans because of her attachment to these people. Hmm. Which then, makes it just such like a, a much more twisted little like, yeah, no, I'm fine with this because I like these two. Let's that, keep going. That's a really interesting perspective, definitely, because you have Emil mm-hmm. who at some point actually almost like refuses, like in Aerie, like he, he refused to kill like a little <coughs> yep. bit. So it'd be and then something triggers. Yeah, it'd be interesting that he's being sympathetic when he doesn't fully understand. And you'd have somebody who actually fully understands and just, I guess, ultimately doesn't care. Yeah, mm-hmm. or or cares enough about two individuals that you know the right. statistics don't matter. Yep, which that's what I said from the beginning. I, I there's so many yeah. parallels between the Shadow Lord and Nier, which makes sense because they're the same person. But how their behavior and how they go about it, like, and I, I feel like many people in that situation would do the same thing. I think that's ultimately the most redeeming quality of Nier is you have Nier who acts out a lot of the things that you you probably yourself would do and then vice is there to actually actively state almost verbatim what's going through your mind and that's why they're such mm-hmm. a dynamic duo because it, you can totally see like yeah i would be doing what near is doing i would do whatever i could to get my daughter back and then my inner mo- monologue about how stupid people are how much i hate this how i why are we doing this why are we helping this person this is idiotic sure. and it's like there's vice like Right there, saying exactly what I'm thinking. It was that was that was fantastic. <laughs> and then she's there to just be like, "F you, book," and he's like, yep. "Shut up, hussy. <laughs> I'm smarter than you." That is the most I have ever heard the world the hussy. word hussy yeah. used ever. Outside of doing classical theater, that is one of the few times I've actually ever. Yeah, seriously. Um, one of the, one of the things I found interesting, which I they didn't do anything with, um. You had mentioned we've mentioned the bosses multiple times. Did you guys catch like the names of all the bosses? I did, but more because I cheated with the Grimoire yeah. that Abana shared because she's the best. Yeah, because I mean, there's like Hansel and Gretel. There's Hook. Hook's the one that killed uh, Kaine's grandmother. Like Wendy, yep. Geppetto, Sleeping Beauty. Like all of these are yeah. based off of fairy tales and. They even even didn't... the robot P thirty three is supposed to be Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah, and then Cleo's the shade that's Sam Pinocchio because it's a 
the fish from uh, Pinocchio stories. Like, there's so much there. Like, I, I know it ultimately has literally nothing to do with anything that happens, I think, with the exception of maybe uh, Yona's fascination with fairy tales. Yes. Mm-hmm. That the game itself is a fairy tale. But I, I and to me, that, that, that ties into the whole idea of it being taken from the most obscure or hard-to-get ending from Drakengard. You know, that series continued on its own, and then you have this, and this is like the fairy tale version of what could have happened from that universe. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, play Drakengard, so I have no idea. Exactly, so, so I have no idea either. I'll I just say know you sound really smart right now. Yes, well, I sound super well, I know this well, because Peter told us. <laughs> I mean, thematically, you kind of have a running theme of a... a not just with the talking books, but of words in general. So the fact that the bosses are all named after like uh, like popular like idealistic stories, like I feel like it, there is kind of a, a a theme going throughout the entire game. One of the things I found interesting too with the whole P thirty three, like mm-hmm. um, they they talked about how because you killed whatever the monster was that was before Geppetto. There we go. Mm-hmm. Because that was so. There's a whole story that because you murdered Geppetto, P33 didn't know what to do anymore, and because of that, P33 took on Cleo and yep. protected Cleo because because it P33, lost its Yes, and there, there's so much like little like we talked about this before. Like there's so many intricate storylines that are going on that are not obvious when you play it, and they do become great when they are kind of like sussed out. Yeah, and it and it is cool because P thirty three is one of the first times that your party begins to ask those questions. Because during that fight, Weiss is Weiss is saying like, "This is the shade is a lot more functioning than most of the ones we you know have yeah. fought before." Like this yeah. one is clearly trying to speak, and and Nier's response is, "I don't care. It's a shade. I'm going to kill it." Yep, the best response. Yeah, <laughs> the only response. Yeah. So, do we each actually have a favorite character? Is it just Vice? I kind of want to hear who everyone's favorite character is. Peter, you start. Oh, I, I really, I, I, I love, I love Vice too, but I, Emil is a personal favorite. Emil. Hmm. Uh, Josh. Um, Vice is the easy one. He's the really, 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 really easy one. Um. But I love the arc of both Emil. Emil's the easy one, and then the King of Facade. The King of Facade? Um, yeah, I, I, the, how his whole story goes is so intriguing because you have somebody that uh, is... I mean, he's a little boy that does not deserve to be king, and he, he runs off on his own, and he's very petulant, like he's terrible. And then you save him, he's like, I'm going to be a good king. And fast forward five years, and he's taken somebody as his queen that he shouldn't have. He suffers this great loss. And he's kind of at a crossroads with his life, and he, he chooses to step up and be something bigger than himself. And yep. ultimately, he you could make the argument he saves you at the end to make sure that you can like complete your journey. Absolutely. Even during that, he sacrifices himself possibly to make sure that it happens. Like, I he's definitely not a main character, but he yeah, he's great. He, he's he great. elevates himself beyond just kind of a tertiary character. Oh yeah, <laughs> he does. Hey, Alana, what is what, yeah. what is your favorite character? Um, Emil's my favorite. I think Vice and Emil are my favorite too. I think Emil is 
the most interesting a lot like Kaine is extremely interesting but on the face of a first playthrough Emil has the most development go into him I believe um and I really loved I loved the bit at the beginning where you have to go into the research facility and things start to make sense I believe the some of the black diary entries that we'd mentioned earlier refer to patient six and patient seven. Yep. So Emil and Hallower yes. and just the realization that Emil is this weapon. I think when you first see him anyway, and you realize he hasn't aged at all, you just think something's going on here. And I really think Emil is sweet. It's quite endearing seeing this floating, creepy skeleton go around and be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, and adorably speak to you oh. going, hi, friend. Hello. Um, but... you, guys, you guys need to get the DLC. <laughs> yeah, you can't get it. You can't get it anymore. You can't? Oh, wait, for Dragon oh. God or for Nier? For Nier. Yeah, you can't get it anymore in Europe. Really? No, oh, I couldn't get it on the disc, so... Well, I'd... It was... It was on the I I didn't I didn't download it but it's on the PS PlayStation Store I don't have it but I looked up what it does and aside from just adding a, a, some playable missions where you play as a replicant near it um, changes all the magic spells so that they look like flying Emil heads. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's that's the best. That's awesome. I think Emil possibly gets the happiest ending because I'm at the end of ending B. Um, yeah. <laughs> Emil isn't dead. Like it ends with Emil's head in the middle of the facade desert, and he's just like, "Oh no, I'm gonna go and find everybody." And then his head starts rolling off, and he's like, "This is really difficult to do." And I'm just thinking, "Oh, you're so cute, like skeleton thing." Yeah, so Josh, Emil's head survives the explosion and gets rocketed into the facade desert. Of course, and his he head does. His consciousness, and he's just rolling around trying to find everyone. And he's as he's rolling off into the distance, is saying. I hope Kaine and Vice are okay. You leave those two alone for five seconds and things go back. Yeah. <laughs> he's so selfless, even when he he's committing essentially suicide to make sure everybody dies or survives. That moment he, was amazing. And he's just like, I really hope that they're okay because I've I've kept them together. Because, I mean, Nier's so upset and Kaine, like, she can be so mean and Vice just argues with everybody and, like, even at the end, he cared about everybody else so much more than himself. But yeah. that that really, the way they handled that whole moment of sacrifice, and then the him being alone as as the the shell is cracking, mm -hmm. and it zooms out into this oh, just yeah. overwhelming blackness, and gets smaller and smaller, and as that's happening, his dialogue of, you know, it's okay because I had friends, starts changing and morphing into... I don't want to die. Yeah. It's not yeah. time. And then it just, you know, condenses and basically becomes a singularity. That the way they handled that whole sequence was fantastic. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's very good. Like a lot of the stuff of friendship revolves around Emil as well. But that makes yes. sense because Emil is He's been alone a, for forever. Yeah, alone for forever. He can't look at people. And then all of a sudden he's this a little skeleton and people he has friends and he's really young as well physically very young yeah. so he has this mindset of a child and it makes sense yeah yeah and as josh hinted to before he commits genocide oh they kill so many people <laughs> yeah that uh 
So what did everybody think about the genocide? I've kind of put my two cents out there. I, I'm kind of interested. Do you guys, did you guys have like a kind of sinking feeling when it was going on? When like Emil was refusing, did that kind of make you want to hesitate? I no, like it can it... make me want to hesitate. Sorry, Alana. Go, go, go. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I felt like it was going to happen. I think being a weapon, I thought Emil at some point would either freak out or lose control. So I was expecting something to happen, but I, when it, when I, when it, I had this sinking feeling and when it did happen, and I think his remorse was really well done. Um, I felt horrible for him. I felt, I didn't want to hurt him. I was just so angry that it had to happen that way. But yeah, I think I felt sad for him more than anything. And that happens, I think, during one of the best boss battle elements. Um, a lot of the that, boss battle, cool. yeah, a lot of it's just like you hack and slash. You have your your dark lance out, and then you have your dark gluttony. And you just kind of roll through bosses, and you just hack when you can, and otherwise you're throwing lances at things. And this one actually is like, you have to be cognizant of your environment, you have to be moving around. Like, that whole sequence with the town, as you moved around, it was the first time, really, and really the only time in the game, it's like, you need to move around. Don't just walk in a straight line murdering things. Yeah, the way they use the town is like, kind of... Uh, the entire area turns into an arena for the boss is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, the area got the best bosses. It's the Wendy and Hook are both there, mm-hmm. and they're both yeah, for sure. utilize the environment, and it's really well done. Yeah, yeah which is it's what? overall my least favorite area because it, you don't know where to go when you first get there. It's hard to navigate. Yeah. And it is. It is. It's. It's the most annoying area in terms of design and the fact that there's no one there to talk to you. But they do have like the two coolest boss battles there. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the one, yeah. I gotta say, the one that attacks right before the time skip, the one that attacks your home, the hometown. Um, I don't know its name, but that that boss is really cool. That was really well done as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So one thing that's cool to me about the area uh, is, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna be making my own conclusions from what I've read from that grimoire, but is that a lot of those people, as is clear by that final boss fight there, are shades. Mm-hmm. Or are yeah. replicants that have been reunited with their shades. Right. Because they function as normal people, and the people in the houses are saying, that's my husband. But they're not saying it in fear, they're saying it in anger at you, like, stop killing him, that's my husband. And there was yeah. one thing I read in 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 the Grimoire here that talks about how, while in the area, so technically this could include uh, the area, you know, where Devil and Popola are trying to take care of that area before reuniting Gestalt's and replicants, there are possibly other sections of the world where that reunification has happened, and they're living. Like normal humans now, just you know, souls back into these new shells. Whereas that's not the case in the world that we're uh, exploring in the game. So there's this weird thing where I feel like the area is a town where a lot of the people have been able to recombine with their 
uh, Gestalt. And so they don't talk to anyone else because they kind of know the reality of it. And they're like, we don't want to talk to a replicant. You're not really human. Yeah. You're not human, so get out of our town. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting play on you think they're very backwards and not progressive. and but Debatably, they know more than anyone. Right, and it turns out that they actually are the most accepting overall. Um, yeah. They were able to find peace when everybody else was choosing to fight, essentially. Yeah, yeah. and their fear of you is that you keep killing these things that they either know better about or just can live, uh, live in harmony with. So they're like, please just stop screwing with our town, and then you destroy it. Yeah, that was a really interesting moment when you're you're you kill the sister, and the brothers. Oh yeah, like, I don't care if she's a shade or not. That's my sister. And yeah, that that whole section was really really well done. Um, and it it really from that point on, like that's the tipping point I think, at least for how I did like my collection of uh, getting the symbols. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. really the tipping point of like, all right, now we're 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 coming to a close, but the story's really ramping up. Yep. So yeah, that was definitely the most iconic kind of sequence I think for me beyond the meal stuff, uh, the King Facade, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, Facade is also just a cool area. It's goofy. It's fun. The rules, everything about that world is just. A little off in the best way possible. Yeah. <laughs> Although the entrance to facade, when you have to do the tour of the town, yeah, it's that, that, that oh, worst. <sighs> That's actually somehow worse than the text adventure part. I didn't think that was okay, possible. So what is your problem? <laughs> what is your problem with the text adventure part? We need we need to address this. <laughs> um, I view it as massively lazy. Uh, the stories themselves were actually very interesting, but imagine if you actually got to experience those. But I suppose in a game that throws different elements at you, it works. So you've got the facility, which is a bit more like roguelike or like Diablo-like, and then you've got all the main combat areas. So it's just a bit different. It's an, well, a bit different, but it's also, it works in context. See, like the sections are really well written, and like that's that's just something I appreciate. I appreciate is I, I like the individual little stories. And at first, like there's some of them that are really uh, fourth wall breaky and kind of jokey. There's some that are really sad, and there's a couple of them at times. Like it even flat out starts referring to the dragon from Drakengard, and like so it's like the closest thing we get to like a, a bit of world building here. And I don't know. I think I think it's a it's really interesting. I. I agree they are very well written. Um, the one that sticks out to me, though, is imagine if you did the the, the girl uh, quest where she's in that castle and she's wandering around and she's looking at the paintings oh. and she, she reaches in and then she goes into the, uh, the room and there's all the dead bodies. Imagine if they, to keep it different still, made that first person. And imagine the stress yeah, like that you... School. Dungeon crawler esque. Yeah, and imagine the stress of that as you're going through that, as the water's rising, as you're seeing these just atrocities and whatnot. Like it, it, it relies on your imagination, which that's the great thing about books is usually whatever you mm-hmm. can imagine is a hundred times worse. But imagine if we were extremely confused because we were in a first person uh, element and we're we're stumbling through that. I, I would argue. I mean, I'd argue that'd be much more impactful. It sounds it sounds like a cool idea, 
I don't know if budget wise that would that would be something yeah. they'd be able to work in. That's another consideration. <laughs> I, so but I don't know. Ultimately, I think the text adventure was a conceit because they didn't have a budget to do that. I think that was their solution. I do think it was a workaround. I do think that they probably had other ideas for that moment that were going to be more in depth with the text adventure as its core. Uh, but I do think Again, they decided sure let's go that. let's go all out with with the the zaniness of it because also some of the most interesting writing is in those sections. So I do think they also just decided let's go. This is what we're going to do, and let's do something different and see if people are actually going to pay attention. Because part of the hook of some of those questions is like, if you skip through, mm-hmm. you can't answer the question unless you go to a guide. So they're like, so, how about this riddle? This one detail about the color of eyes yeah. and how many people got killed. And if you're trying to skip it, it's not you can't actually look it up because it changes. It also asks a different question if you fail it every time. Mm-hmm. Or changes the eye color yeah, or the exactly. something, which is good. Yeah. I don't know, I just... And we've talked about Lost Odyssey, and everybody knows on this podcast that I hate Lost Odyssey. Um, I, I'm not. I'm really not. The <laughs> that's, the, that's the better wrong. part. Um, <laughs> and that that was one of the fundamental parts I I took issue with with Lost Odyssey was the journals. Um, I just at the end of the day, I, I think they're some of them is great story, and they they are wonderfully written, but I just would have loved to see done better and I, I know everybody's gonna argue like, oh it's written really well which it was i'm not arguing that and how they shift from you being in real world and it slowly drifts out and the text slowly gets better and or bigger like i i i think they handled it very very well but i would have rather experienced it myself pretty much how that shakes out sorry guys Okay. It's, it's okay. I'm worried. We're used, we're used to you being wrong. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, see, that's the secret, though, Peter. Is I'm the host, so I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody really can't, thinks he's can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, Peter. Depending on your answer, your schedule on the podcast will change dramatically. No, I've Man, already, I've already kicked Peter off the podcast before. Have you done that to all of us? No, only Peter. <laughs> Not true. Did it to me. I don't think that was recorded, so it doesn't count. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, doesn't count. Didn't off. happen. I think it's <laughs> on air a couple times because it's a T-Rex in Paris, Eve. <laughs> so does anybody have any kind of... Anything else they want to talk about with Nier as we kind of slowly wrap up? What I like about Nier, <clears throat> and we talked about uh, Dark Souls earlier. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me a second. But... Uh, not just the idea of environmental storytelling, but this is a game that has stayed with me when we were playing it early in the playthrough and even now after finishing it. There's just so much of the world left open, and even with the excess of random facts that comes in Grimoire Near, there's still a lot of stuff open to interpretation. And how can you piece together all the little you know, uh, the whole puzzle. And I like that. I like games that give you a world. They give you uh, the core story of the characters you're following and all the rest of it, or the avatar that you're playing as, and then they go, and then there's all this other stuff, and you can take these little elements if you want to and try and figure out where they fit and create your theories, and this is one of those games. So what's really 
awesome and rewarding about playing a game like Nier is that you can think about it for forever. And it, it's just endless in that way. That's really cool. That made any sense. When I think of Nier, I always think of... Uh, I hate this phrase, but it's more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. I think if you look yeah. at a lot of different elements of it, you're like, oh, the combat's not that good, or there's a lot of fetch quests, or there's this text adventure in there. And you can you can look at each of them by themselves, and you, you'd probably say, hey, that's... If we're going to go on a, a, a review scale, it's like, oh, that's a 4, that's a 7, that's an 8... I think collectively this game's a nine. Like this game is legitimately really great, um, and it's one of those things that kind of bucks the trend of how you usually look at games because you kind of try to look at, like, break it down into its elements, and it's mm-hmm. just more than all of that. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I think you mentioning that it resonated with you is is a perfect like, it, like expresses it perfectly, because it is one of those things. Like, granted, I've only finished it now, now in like an hour and a half, but. Even while I was going through it, like I was wrapped up in the story of the characters. I genuinely cared. Um, and this will be a game... I, I don't think I'll ever go back and do a new game plus. I don't. I, don't, I, I honestly don't think I'm going to play the sequel. But this is going to be a game that I always remember. And I'm always yeah. going to look at it very fun. I had a friend ask me while I was playing it. He was like, well... Because he, he's also someone who likes uh, older games and likes playing through some classic stuff. And he was like, is it worth playing through? You know, what, what score would you give this game? And I laughed because to your point, some of its parts, I was like, "Eh, it's kind of hard to grade it, but you know, if you really were trying to break down its elements, I would maybe give the game, you know, if I was reviewing it like a 7.5, but it's the best and most enjoyable 7.5 you could ever imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Like, cause it's, cause like you said, if you're breaking down a lot of stuff, it's never broken, but there's a lot of points where, you hit invisible walls that shouldn't be there for certain you know, just points of just exploration, which can be super frustrating. The combat really isn't smooth. <clears throat> uh, how they play with their storytelling and their perspective. Uh, you know, it's fun that they always change it up, but it never goes all the way. It's always just kind of dipping its toes in the water. And yet at the end, it's more memorable than games that I think are incredibly almost perfectly made but once i'm done with them it's like okay can shut it off don't care about it anymore that experience was fun enjoyed the popcorn what's next whereas this is one of those games that when i finished last night i then read for two hours and went to bed at an ungodly hour because i was like what else can i know about this world give me more things to parse out hey it's, it's a special game yeah it's easily amount of my favorite yeah. My favorite games that we've covered on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yay, it's success. <laughs> what about you, Alana? Yeah, and Peter. Your... No, oh, we're, we're doing Alana. No, Peter's, Peter's done. Alana. Peter's done. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. I, 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 I said the truth. <laughs> said the truth. <laughs> um, yeah, I think everything Chris said, I spent like, I, I finished it about a week ago and literally just had, to, I sat down and sort of thought, it's, it's, it feels relevant. So the thing I can compare it to very recent is Xenoblade Chronicles X in like the kind of, I'm only about halfway through Xenoblade, but I know the plot twist and I know the kind of important things like about building the separate mimeosomes, the bodies that 
are basically waiting for their souls to be refound or their like their real bodies to be found. So the issue of like how is humanity going to survive in some ungodly disaster is a relevant topic that is really well and interestingly developed here. Like it's not like oh we're just going to emigrate to another planet. This one is like no, we want to stay on this planet, but how are we going to do this? And it makes you think like if you're in that situation do you agree and if you're near then and if the same if you're placed in the same situation as near then what would you do upon finding out that you were a replicant and i think that is why i really like it this game because it just makes me think and if we're going to go on the review scale thing I think between a seven and a half and an eight is probably where I'd score it because of all of the little issues I have, but the waiting on the story and the characters is quite important for me. So I think it deserves slightly higher up on that end, but I certainly think I'll still be thinking about this game and I'm not sure if I'll go back and play it, but I will definitely check out the sequel. Yep. I'm with you on that. All right, Peter, I guess... We'll see your thoughts. <laughs> yes, you're going to let me talk. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, I've probably made it clear already, but I, I love this game. I really do. It's I, I am a big proponent of narrative in games. I think Nier has one of the most interesting, like completely crazy, but really intricate and interesting stories that I've experienced in this game. And I feel like I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much if it wasn't as a video game. So that's always a plus. Like, I feel like the fact that I played this as a game mm-hmm. is a big part of why I enjoyed it. And I'm also a, a sucker for, uh, like, ambitious, like, ambitious JRPGs, even if, like, this one didn't really have the budget for it. So, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it pressed a lot of my, a lot of my buttons, and I really, I enjoyed playing it. Although I do agree that I probably would have, like, if you had to, if you had, gave me this game for review and told me to, to give it a score, then yeah, it probably wouldn't get, it would probably get it around an eight, probably from me, just because it's hard to ignore some of the more glaring issues. But yep, overall, much much love, happy times. Wow. I didn't mean to mean for us to get into scoring the game, but yeah. thank you for taking <laughs> that journey. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it does. It's my job. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's right. Right. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us on this as. Peter said journey. We'll just go with that. Um, <clears throat> we will have our final thoughts, written final thoughts, very shortly after this goes up. Um, in the meantime, just kind of general stuff. As always, you can send your emails to retroidrpgfan.com. You can go on to the website rpgfan and actually voice your thoughts on the boards. We try to read all of those, we try to respond to them, and we try to include them on the podcast when necessary. Uh, please go on iTunes and rate and review us. That helps massively for us, so that would be much appreciated. And then, as a reminder, in April, we will be covering The World Ends With You, which is one of my favorite games of all time, so hopefully everybody else agrees with me, or else Peter might not be on podcasts anymore. I don't know. I, I thought Mike was the one who actively disliked 12 I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded. I just... you, you better be very open-minded. <laughs> oh man! Mind open for you. You will share my opinion, or you will be. <laughs> I, I, 
tried to play the world ends with you a couple times and i just have a hard time wrapping my head around that combat system but i'm gonna I'm do it josh i'm gonna do it for you you better do it for me go for it um and then uh recently we actually included you guys in the vote for what game we'd be playing and i it went so well um i think that'll be kind of a mainstay moving forward some sort of element, but you guys, with a resounding vote of 63%, chose uh, Xeno Gears. Xeno Gears for June. Oh. Oh wow. Nice. Oh my. Yeah. So you can probably moving forward just follow RPGFan.com on Twitter. Be safe that way. But if you want to absolutely know what is going on at all times for this podcast and also for the votes, because they'll be coming through my Twitter account, you can follow me at, at JD Curry um, on Twitter and get in the vote and hear, have your voice known that you would rather have watched us play or listen to us play Xeno Gears than Breath of Fire 3. Um, so that was the ultimate vote. Um, huh? Jesse loves Breath of Fire 3. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad Xeno Gears won. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys want to see the rage about that, go back in time and listen to the Terranipa podcast, as I, I'm pretty sure at least a quarter of those podcasts we argued about Breath of Fire instead. Aww. But in the meantime, that is going to do it for us at uh, Retro Encounter. Thank you for listening. Hey, yep. Bye. See ya.